0: on today's show we're going to take a look at what i believe is the largest automotive supplier in the world the robert bosch company specifically we'll be talking with peter marx the chairman president and ceo of bosch for the americas even though it's just one slice of bosch it's still a gigantic business in its own right bosch's north american operations employ 22,000 people and it does nearly nine billion dollars in sales It's involved in almost every kind of automotive technology that you can think of and is even involved in non-automotive areas, from consumer goods to healthcare to industrial products. But in the automotive area, Bosch is involved in developing technology for advanced gasoline engines, clean diesels, hybrids, plug-ins, and just about every aspect of electric vehicles, including the batteries. It's involved in electronic stability control and anything to do with multimedia. So if you'd like to learn more about where Bosch sees the automotive industry going, stay right where you are. The conversation with Peter Marks starts right after this. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Thanks for joining us here in the studio with my guest today, Peter Marks, the chairman, the president, and the CEO of Bosch for the Americas. Peter, great having you on the line. Thank you. Also joining us today, Tom Murphy from wardsauto.com. Great having you here again, Tom. Thank you. And Michelle Krebs from edmunds.com. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Peter, what's going on in the automotive business right now from your vantage point? Uh, Bosch has got to be... I, I, I think I got this right, the largest automotive supplier in the world?
1: That's not our objective, but uh, it might be that we are. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> but, where, where but, do you see things going on? I mean, we saw the big collapse in 2008, certain regions of the world, the BRICs, mm-hmm. and you've got Brazil under that brick part of what you see. Uh, where's the business going? Do you see it on a global basis coming back?
1: It's coming back very nicely, and it's coming back with a lot of challenges for the engineering community, and we like to help because uh, all of the region have a similar uh, objective, is to improve the fuel economy, improve the safety of the vehicle, and we are right there with our products to help. You, You
0: presaged my next question because talking about fuel economy, Bosch is into everything. You're in advanced gasoline engines, diesel engines, hybrid technology, electric vehicle technology, batteries, the whole thing. Where do you think the payoff is going
1: to really come? Right now, we think that all of these are alternatives which need to be pursued, and we don't favor one over the other. But realistically speaking, we see that the combustion engine for the next 20 years will be still the main powertrain. And so we are focusing on uh, diesel as well as gasoline to further improve Uh, The efficiency by thirty percent, but yes, long term, the electric vehicle will be the main powertrain. So, also there, we have a lot of activities.
2: Go ahead.
3: Uh, Well, we were talking about that—that you have all these uh, technologies you're covering. But what we've also seen is the internal combustion engine has gotten so much better. I mean, we're seeing all of these cars with forty mile per gallon um, fuel economy. Where do you see that going in terms of gasoline engines? Mm
1: -hmm. We think that gasoline, as well as diesel engine, from today's technology point of view, have still a 30% improvement potential going forward. And so we are working very diligently to materialize this 30% to make uh, the internal combustion engine a viable option still for the next years to come.
2: What about the market for diesel, though? Um, As I looked at the numbers, you know, the market for diesel in the U.S. for light vehicles has basically fallen in half from 700,000 or so in 2006 down to about 300,000 today, or as of 2010. So I'm just curious, you know, where do you see this going? And, and if it continues to fall in terms of diesel penetration rates, could it reach a point where automakers and suppliers have to say, you know what, this, this is just not a profitable business to be in in terms of diesel for light vehicles in the U.S.?
1: Mm-hmm. We still think that diesel has a very good chance uh, to have significant growth also in North America. Uh, we see that right now the take rate on uh, the available cars, which are available alternatively for gasoline as well as for diesel, there take rates on the passenger car of uh, close to 30 percent, and if you compare this to the light-duty Truck market its even 60%. We just recently did a study together with a university showing that the total cost of ownership, if you consider the fuel saving which you have combined also with the resale value, where you basically get back the extra cost which you pay upfront for the higher uh, price of the vehicle, it's a very good uh, business case for the end consumer. And as the end consumers are realizing this, I think with further offering of diesel vehicles which will be coming to this market soon we will see that uh, the penetration of diesel is finally picking up
2: Mm. can you say is is diesel currently profitable for for bosch at current levels in the u.s
1: we are profitable worldwide and also in the u.s with diesel uh, we are importing a lot of the diesel products we have been cautious to uh, set up a lot of capacity in north america but uh, we are contemplating to adding new capacity as the diesel penetration mm-hmm. is increasing peter
0: as uh, michelle just mentioned where's a growing number of cars in the u.s that are rated at 40 miles per gallon on the highway or better you're saying there's another 30 percent improvement yet mm-hmm. to come we're talking over 50 miles to the gallon at that point mm-hmm when does the electric really become viable from a cost standpoint as you know uh, an electric vehicle can actually be twice as efficient on a fuel economy basis comparison Mm -hmm. but it's significantly more expensive and i'm wondering if certainly in the u.s market if we get to 50 miles per gallon uh, I think most consumers will say that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Or even hybrids for that
3: matter.
1: Right, it depends very much on one of the enablers, which is the battery cost. And uh, there's a lot of effort going into uh, improving the energy density of the batteries and also the cost of the batteries. But to put this in perspective, when we look at uh, 2020, we think worldwide, there might be a production of 104 million cars per, per year. Out of this, we see about 3 million being truly electric or uh, plug-in electric vehicles, and maybe six million will be some kind of hybridization. So it shows that the progression to get really the cost down and be competitive to the combustion engine is quite a long haul. Mm -hmm.
3: You mentioned manufacturing. Um, It looks to me like a lot of manufacturers, and not just auto suppliers or auto manufacturers, but a lot of companies around the world are looking now at the U.S. actually uh, a viable place to do manufacturing are you looking at doing any more plants in the u.s
1: we have our manufacturing strategy for the region such that we say we need to have in each of the regions of the world we need to be in our uh, locations where we are close to our customer with engineering as well as with manufacturing. But we also need to leverage the opportunities to have some of the production in a low cost country. Mm-hmm. As it relates to North America, we have a good balance between US plants and Mexican plants. And the US plants tend to be the ones where we have the higher skill sets and experience. So we tend to use these plants to start a new production. And once it's more mature, we transfer this to the low-cost location and keep this balance also for the future.
2: We got to visit a uh, plant um, that Bosch operates in, in central Germany that produces uh, uh, wafers, uh, mm-hmm. semiconductors, and it, you know, it's a fascinating plant. Uh, and they were telling us that even though they just opened it last year, it could be maxed out in about three years, considering that there's such a high demand for, you know, for chips for automotive electronics. Uh, When it comes time to consider a new location for perhaps another uh, plant of that nature, would you consider North America? Are you lobbying perhaps that maybe North America would be a good spot for a a plant like that?
1: Semiconductor uh, manufacturing have to have a very close relationship with the engineering of the products, in particular if you go into the MEMS technology, the engineers which are designing the product and the ones which are doing the pilot production and the final series production, this close connection is really the enabler to have very high yield and therefore a decent cost. So we have right now our engineering uh, for this in Reutlingen and had it already for the first semiconductor plant at that time and when we decided to increase it to the bigger uh, plant we already evaluated would it be sensible to move it even to a low-cost location versus Heutlingen, but we decided at the end this close relationship and simultaneous engineering between the product engineering and the production is much more worse and efficient than trying to leverage uh, some low-cost location. As it relates to uh, North America, we don't have the engineering for the semiconductors here in North America and then I don't see that this would be a viable option for the future.
0: Peter, what's the lesson that uh, the auto industry has learned from this terrible earthquake and tsunami in Japan that disrupted global automotive production. Mm-hmm. Do you just say, oh, this is once every hundred years, we'll just deal with it? Or do you change your plans accordingly?
1: Mm-hmm. First, I, I need to mention that we have also 8,000 people in Japan uh, which are working for Bosch, and uh, we have many manufacturing sites, and we were very fortunate that none of them were damaged to the extent that we couldn't continue to support our customers. But yes, we have also a lot of suppliers which are supplying to our plants in Japan, but also for our worldwide uh, needs. And yes, I think the automotive industry has realized that um, some of these suppliers are overextended and um, in terms of the dependency one has uh, to uh, one of these suppliers. And I think there has to be a joint effort between the the different uh, customers, these uh, uh, suppliers have so that we're not overextending them and uh, spread a little bit the risk uh, otherwise.
3: Mm-hmm. So would, does that mean you look at multiple sources, uh, different companies, or multiple locations from maybe the same manufacturer? What What, what we already
1: do, our strategy is always that we are not going to load one of the uh, supplier with more than 30 percent of uh, Bosch business. And um Even with this, we also encourage them that they have multiple locations, that they are globalized as we are globalizing our business, and thus already reducing the risk if something happens in one plant, it doesn't shut down their capability completely.
2: Since we were talking about plants, um, stability control, of course, will be mandatory as of 2012. And um, if if you're at about 100% in terms of penetration rate for the US market, I know that other markets um, in other parts of the world, they're considering making it mandatory. Can you say, um, you know, as you look globally at your production for ESC uh, systems, do you need any additional manufacturing capacity, or, or do you have everything that you need for, you know, to, to meet the 100 percent demand in the U.S. plus other growing markets?
1: For the U.S., we have the right capacity in place uh, in the U.S., in Charleston, South Carolina, and also uh, for the uh, electronic control unit, we're producing them in Juarez in Mexico. And uh, we are also present in uh, Asia, in China already, with the ESE system. So yes, as uh, the penetration rate in some of the other countries where it's not a mandate yet, uh, we will increase locally because we believe that we should manufacture close to where the market is and um, so there would be some need for increasing capacity in this region. Latin America, Brazil is now starting to put some uh, mandates on uh, ABS system, not the ESC system, yet also airbag systems are uh, becoming uh, legislation in, in Brazil and so we are considering also moving manufacturing to this region.
0: Peter, you you threw out a very interesting statistic earlier. You said that by 2020, there would be 104 million vehicles being manufactured every year. Depending on who you talk to these days, different uh, database places counted differently. I think we're at about 77, 76 mm-hmm. million vehicles. You're talking about a lot of growth this mm-hmm. decade in the automotive business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking of all about the, the manufacturing capacity, you must be, or Bosch must be putting plans in place to be able to meet that kind of growth.
1: In particular in Asia, uh, namely China, namely India, uh, we have been growing very significantly over the last years, being it with local engineering which we put in place, but also manufacturing sites. and uh, But also in Latin America, we see still there's a potential for significant growth in the years to come.
3: What, what are some of the new safety things you see on the horizon?
1: Safety things uh, going from a passive safety to more of an active safety. And uh, we see already uh, this combining with some uh, uh, convenient function. So the stop-and-go uh, functionality, I think, is the real end-user useful uh, features. Uh, semi-autonomous uh, parking. And we see the vision in maybe two decades that we have the capability of completely autonomous uh, driving uh, with respective sensors or surround sensing which also can help you in the safety aspect. Uh, And uh, we think that incrementally we will move in this direction not to take the fun away from the driver when they want to drive. But imagine you are in a traffic jam and you don't really care to drive, you rather read your newspaper, <laughs> and then quickly uh, turn into the mode of autonomous uh, driving. But this will take two decades uh, to come.
0: And how about vehicle-to-vehicle technology? Is that not a, a, a much sooner-to-emerge technology where cars can talk to one another mm-hmm. and you can have it. So either the driver is warned or maybe even the brakes are applied. So mm-hmm. two cars cannot occupy the same space at the same time. And is mm-hmm. Bosch working on vehicle-to-vehicle? We are working
1: on vehicle-to-vehicle and car communication uh, technology. The enabling technology has to be how to transmit data and what is the population of cars who are engaged in it. So that based on this, you can really derive some safety feature for, such as uh, in a crossing, uh, four cars are coming there. And if they all communicate with each other, they can avoid that they have an accident. But if one doesn't communicate, um, then you are in trouble. So it has to have a certain penetration and has to have uh, certain features which you can really assure that they add some safety. But for some uh, pre-warning, I think the car-to-car communication is really around the corner and will be coming.
0: Around the corner, meaning, I, I hear 2014. Could it be that early? In the that next, early?
1: next five years, you mm-hmm. will have some kind of car-to-car communication.
2: Yeah. But how long then from that point would it take basically you know, 100% of the cars actually speaking to each other? I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, all the new cars we're producing now, but it's going to take several years before, yeah, okay, we've got pretty much the whole car fleet covered. I mean, it, doesn't it take? Decades, this before? decades,
1: yeah. Yeah, and that's a difficult uh, uh, question to to really have a clear figure on it. But that's really the challenge. And uh, so, it will be easy uh, functionalities uh, to begin with, and for a long period of time before we can take this car-to-car communication to the extent where we really combine it with an active safety uh, feature because but even it takes a 100% penetration.
0: But even if you, if you leave it to just a, a warning for the driver, it greatly simplifies the system. And my understanding is that uh, automakers, or suppliers in your case, can make uh, retrofits available to older cars. And is this something that Bosch would be looking into?
1: We are normally not in the retrofit business, but uh, we are in the OE business. Uh, and certainly, where there is a retrofit market, uh, it will be developed. And I can envision that uh, some of these cars could be retrofitted. Yes.
2: Can you say anything about the uh, you know, the ongoing relationship between automakers and suppliers? You know, for years we had heard about the relentless pricing pressure, you know, mm-hmm. the browbeating by the purchasing executives, and just the you know the the way that the suppliers were always basically uh, subservient. And then, you know, when the recession hit, it seemed like the automakers kind of dialed that back a little bit, and suppliers were not under quite so much pressure and, and now things have gotten better. What, you know, how do you see um, you know, that uh, landscape currently between suppliers and automakers?
1: I personally feel that the relationship between the suppliers and the automakers have improved substantially. And uh, one of the driving force was that I think uh, we both realized that we need each other uh, with the increasing technology which we need to bring to market and the early engagement with each other in order to come out with the right technology, which is really an end consumer value. It only is possible if you have long term relationship if you switch from one supplier to the other based on some pricing negotiation, you're never going to get the best technology. And I see this relationship is really on a much more fruitful path today than it ever has been. Considering what they have to do, the automotive uh, 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 manufacturers—they have to reduce the weight, they have to improve the the, the powertrain, they have to improve the safety. They, they have need to, the suppliers to help. They them have that. to uh, work on uh, connectivity, and connectivity in itself is such a vast and fast-moving technology where you have to have a very close relationship with the supplier who can do the integration. So there's a real need to work closer together and the value I think is seen on both sides today and therefore the relationship is improving.
0: All this connectivity has also raised some issues in terms of driver distraction Mm -hmm. or even in people just not liking how certain things work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ford has come under criticism. In fact, it may even impact its quality ratings because consumers have complained about the interface with mm-hmm. what Ford calls my Ford Touch. Mm-hmm. What, how is Bosch approaching this situation in terms of reducing driver distraction and just making things easier to use.
1: The HMI is the main uh, issue. And and that's human-machine interface. Interface, and uh, this is really the key in order to make this function uh, an end-customer value. If you don't find it, so who cares that it's there? (laughs) and therefore I think the voice recognition capability has to uh, continues to improve and it has improved. Uh, Some of the OEMs have really taken this as one of the key enabler to uh, give uh, the consumer uh, an easy access to the different function with very simple uh, voice commands and not something which you need to uh, read and and learn and rather that you just speak freely and uh, your car understands what you want. So that's how Bosch will approach
0: this, then, is incorporating voice activation. Absolutely,
3: yeah. I find it intriguing that you're not only in charge of the automotive part of the business, but you're in charge of a lot of other things like appliances. And Can you tell us a little bit about how that business fits into what you do?
1: We are involved here in North America significantly on the power tool side uh, and this is certainly a difficult business since the construction industry mm. hasn't come back. Right. But also there we believe that our innovation power and the new innovation which we are bringing to market gives us an edge over uh, other competitors and we are involved in security system which is a very important business of us uh, where we are, I think, the leader in terms of video uh, capabilities, in particular as it relates to video content analysis. It's one thing to have a video camera looking at uh, something, then having a software behind it which understands what they are looking at and is this a normal situation or is this an out of a normal situation and there needs to be an alarm uh, initiated. Then we are involved in the healthcare because we are deriving our new business uh, opportunities based on megatrends. Megatrends such as energy scarcity, megatrends such as globalization, such as um, overaging of population in some of the societies more than others, but also in terms of the healthcare, that uh, healthcare will become an increasing challenge uh, because of the overaging of the population on one hand, but also uh, based on the increasing healthcare cost. And there we are involved in telemonitoring. In the U.S., we have 30,000 patients on a little device which is called the Health Buddy. It's a nice little device. When you get up in the morning, it reminds you that you have to take your pills. It uh, encourages you to take your vital measurements, such as the weight, such as the blood pressure, such as glucose, whatever it may be. And if there's a out of the ordinary situation, uh, wireless, it's transmitted to a software and uh, there are nurses, on the other hand, which might give you a call and uh, say, John, what happened to you? Why are you so nervous? And why do we have such a high blood pressure today? How did you know? (laughs) 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 And we are involved in a lot of industrial hydraulics, uh, which is uh, a business which has rebound very, very nicely after the recession because there are a lot of infrastructure Mm -hmm. project and uh, related machines and equipment, uh, we are supplying products to. Peter, that's fascinating. I don't know any other supplier
0: executive no. in the business that is dealing with so many different industries.
2: Mm-hmm. There's also the bike business. When we were in Germany, we had to ride the e-bike, which mm-hmm. is uh, which electric was, bike, electric mm-hmm. bike with a with a motor up under the pedal, um, mm-hmm. that the that's a hub motor that that gives you all this extra boost. It's like a turbocharger. As you're pedaling, the bike just kind of takes off. The harder you pedal, the more boost you get. It's amazing.
1: It's fun. It's fun to drive such a bike because you would think it's for the ones who don't want to really drive a bike. But uh, when you are used to that uh, e-bike, you drive much faster. You drive in areas where you wouldn't drive, mountains really, uh, steep up and down. What do you think and the
2: outlook is for the, you know, for the U.S. market for, you know, for a bike like
1: that? We are working with some uh, U.S. Uh, bike manufacturers. They have some initial interest, but uh, it's very specialized. It's these uh, mountain bikers, which uh, really want such uh, additional features. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, the biking in itself, and it was interesting to see that in South Carolina, where sometimes uh, the scooters seem to mm-hmm. have a rebound here. People are driving around with uh, scooters. Uh, these are still combustion engine driven. They should be electric driven from my perspective. And maybe then the step towards uh, an e-bike is maybe for somebody and alternatives than going right to a scooter. Scooters
0: make a lot of sense because the battery pack is
1: small enough
0: You can pull it out of the scooter and take it into your apartment Mm -hmm. or your office or wherever you work and recharge it there, whereas with an electric car, it's not quite that easy. Easy. So I I find, again, this fascinating, these different businesses. Does Bosch uh, approach this as using synergy of different technologies, or is it just to be counter cyclical so that when automotive goes down, some of these other operations still bring in money for the company. Yeah.
1: We believe that our strength in, indeed is technology and our, our slogan is technology for life. So we think that uh, our product should make a contribution to improve people's life. And on a technology perspective, you look at where are the synergies. And if you look at, for example, the semiconductor plant which we have, we found that there are some synergies to also provide some semiconductors to the consumer. Uh, business, and we are having a company which is providing to the cell phone manufactured as a computer uh, manufactures uh, sensors which helps them to detect whether the uh, phone was just mishandled, and therefore uh, actually it 's not a warranty case, but also, if you then go across to Photovoltaic, where we got into the business uh, now being a producer significant producer of photovoltaic, and we'll announce shortly that we will add an additional plant uh, in Asia. It's because of the semiconductor uh, business which we have. and We understand silicium and silicon and therefore photovoltaic, and we think that we can make their contribution, improving the efficiency of photovoltaic, which uh, gives them the breakthrough eventually. So it's always technology, the combination of it, which we think uh, helps us.
0: Very good. Well, we're down to the last minute here. We're going to have to wrap up this discussion. But Peter Marks, this has been great having you come in and explain what all that you're doing at Bosch. Very interesting discussion. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And of course, I have to thank uh, Tom Murphy from wardsauto.com and Michelle Krebs from edmunds.com. And of course, I especially have to thank all of you for having tuned in.